Welcome to the Big Dreams Great Teams podcast with me, your host, Paula Maidens. I'm a mum of two, a hiring and leadership coach, speaker, ex-corporate recruiter and serial entrepreneur who is obsessed with teaching capable business owners just like you how to become graceful and powerful leaders surrounded by a team who perform like rock stars. On this podcast, we'll be talking about all things people, business and leadership because Big dreams need great teams. You simply cannot do it on your own. I'm excited to have you here. Let's dive in. We have arrived at part three of the Hiring Smarter mini-series, and this is a three-part series with three key thoughts so that you feel confident and know that you can get your next hire right, and in fact, that you go into the next year making better hiring decisions from here on in. So in part one, we covered how you can avoid making the mistakes that most people make. In part two, we covered the importance on you getting really clear on the qualities or the characteristics or the behaviors that you need for someone else, the way you want them to do the things so that they can feel to you like your perfect unicorn. And I call that those behaviors, those characteristics, those qualities, the how. What you want someone to do is really important, but also how you want them to do it. And it's this how which was going to allow you to feel confident, to trust them, and most importantly, to support you to go and get on with your job, knowing that they're getting on with theirs. So today, part three is profitable onboarding. Now, here's the thing. If you are viewing hiring somebody new into your business, hiring somebody new onto your team, just as an expense, you are looking at it all wrong. Yes, it means more money going out the door. And sure, when cash flow is tight, your brain will probably quickly think about how you could make a saving by not having that person on your team. However, the key to scaling your service-based business in a profitable way, which means adding in new team members, so scaling, being able to serve more people, do more things without you being the one doing all those more things, That means adding in new team members. And you can do that in a profitable way by looking at the investment of hiring a new person on your team as exactly that, an investment. And with investments, you expect a return. So today we're going to talk about that, how you get a return as soon as possible. And of course, how you can maximize the return from the person, from the spend that you're making by investing in a new person for your team. So we're going to dive into how to onboard and train somebody into your business in the most profitable way possible. This concept includes two elements. Now that's making sure that the person performs to your expectation. That's element one. And element two is making sure that you have really clear, realistic and appropriate expectations for somebody at various stages of their time in your business. Because if you haven't planned this out, if you haven't given it enough thought, you literally will be bringing someone into your business with your fingers crossed and hoping for the best. And maybe that's what you've done before. And I get it if that's what's happened. And that's what I see having happened many times in many of my clients' businesses. 
but effective and powerful leadership where you're a powerful and graceful CEO, that sort of leadership, that sort of operation as a CEO doesn't involve crossing your fingers. This is about doing the work that you need to do to get strategic, to map out a simple but effective plan and to communicate that plan to the person, to your team, so it gets executed and things go the way you want them to go. In the last two parts of this series, we've talked about the importance of being clear. And I've said that word clarity, what, 15, 20 times? The importance of being clear when you're looking for the person and making sure that the person that you're choosing can actually do what you want them to do. So in other words, interviewing them in a way where you're actually checking, yes, they've got the right skills and yes, they're a character fit and yes, the way they like to work, how they like to work fits what I'm looking for. These things that we covered in the first two parts are epic foundations for hiring success, 100%. However, you can hire someone fantastic, so good, with all the potential to be your perfect unicorn, and it can fall flat based on how you treat them the first day, the first week, and the first month. Similarly, you can hire someone who's average, and if you treat them well in a planned and strategic way in that first day, week, month, you can elevate them into being the unicorn beyond what you thought was possible. So the difference here is the way you onboard them into your business. Now, profitable onboarding has four parts, training, information, expectations, and conversations. Training is showing the person how to do something. Information is making sure the person gets access to, can absorb, can refer to the information they need to be successful expectations is about making sure the person is crystal clear on exactly what you want them to do, what they should be able to do, by when, in what way, by week one, day one, month one, etc. But here's where it normally goes wrong. The hiring process, which I get, can be oh so time consuming and exhausting that often what happens and what's too easy to happen is that the onboarding part falls short. You make the offer to the person, you get this huge sense of relief, oh, thank goodness that's done, and then you just move into fingers-crossed mode hoping that they will work it out as they go or hoping that together the two of you will work it out as you go. And sure, maybe sometimes you'll bumble your way that way to success but you really don't want to leave that to chance, especially after all the work and the time and the effort that you've put in to get to that point. And I promise you, continuing beyond that point of making the person an offer where you're starting to spend money on them gets costly very quickly if it's something that you need to unwind down the track, not to mention the cost of the emotional turmoil of actually having to reverse a decision down the track. So, Training, information, expectations, conversations. Let's jump across to the expectations part. Somebody can't perform to your expectations if you don't have any or if you're keeping them a secret. Now, if somebody joins your business and your attitude is, let's see how fast they can get up to speed, you're most likely going to be disappointed. 
Whereas if you can take your brain forward and think, what would I like them to be able to do after one week? What would I like them to be able to do after one month? And even lifting your expectations a little to, if they could do this by week one, wouldn't that be amazing? Then you have a powerful starting point to map their training and their onboarding plan using those aspirations as benchmarks and working backwards from that point, which of course, you'll also communicate to them on day one and every day after that as they roll through their onboarding time period. Now let's look at an example. We've talked a lot about a social media manager as an example in this series. So let's use that here so that I can really share and show you what I mean. Let's say that when you're really allowing yourself to dream big about your social media person, let's say that you think about their onboarding journey, the one where you're getting a good return on your investment. So you feel like it's a good investment and your business is getting bang from its buck for what you're paying them. And you're thinking about what I'd like them to be able to do by when as soon as possible. How would you like them to progress if you held your expectations high? So what would you like them by the end of day one? What would you like them to know? By the end of week one, what would you like them to know and be able to do? Now let's go forward to month one, the end of the first month. What would you like them to know and be able to do by that 30-day point? And once you sort of write down and set those expectations high and write them down, you get to start to planning out. So let's say by the end of day one, you think to yourself, I want them to be familiar with my branding, my templates. I want them to have read, say, at least 20 social posts to get a sense of my tone and the type of images and templates and the overall look of my socials. And of course, I want them to know how and where all the things in the business are saved and found. And let's say by day three, I really want to see them shifting from learning and observing and checking out all the things in my business to moving into creating mode. I want to start to see them produce some things. And then you can think to yourself, well, what system and information and training do they need to know to be able to produce what I want them to do by day three. So day one, they'll need access to your systems. Day one, they'll need an overview of the brand. Day one, they will need to be shown how your internal filing system works. They'll need to be shown how your project management system works if you've got one. So then we get to think, well, Somebody can show them these things or that can be you or a team member because we don't want everything falling on your shoulders because you're already exhausted and tired and stressed and all the things. So if possible, we want to share the load and we can share the load by getting your team member or someone on your team to do some of the showing or you could record a video up front that they can watch in their own time. And when we think about the reading of the 20 social posts, well, they can do that on their own as well. So what's really great about thinking specifically about what I want them to know and what do I want them to be able to do and to start doing by when and what, then that's how you create your training plan. And that's how you think, well, what parts of that do I need to be involved in? Do I want them to only hear from me? What parts can I record or plan in advance to take some pressure off, you know, my FaceTime on that first day? And maybe what can somebody else around me help out by showing and sharing? Now, we said 
in that example that day three we want them to shift into creating mode so maybe what you're thinking and if i can give you an example is what i want them to create okay how long do i want them to spend in that creation phase do i want to define that do i want to say go and create a bunch of things and only spend this amount of time on it Or do I want them to spend as long as they think appropriate and then circle back and let me know how long it took? So then we can set them a goal. Perhaps we say, by the end of that first week, I want you to have created at least 10 posts repurposing this content and maybe you point them to a specific place. I want you to create the images. I want you to write the draft captions. I want you to track how long it takes you to create that first bunch of 10. I want you to put that information here, save it here and clarifying that there's to be no posting or publishing until you've reviewed it because that is where you want to put almost the gate down on their ability to do work so that you can review it and check it. And you may also choose to clarify, I expect you to research hashtags, I want you to research and suggest the best times that we should be publishing these things, and I want you to have all this information submitted to me by the end of Friday, and then we'll meet on Monday morning to talk it through and work out a plan for the next week. Okay, so you can hear from this example how specific I've been, super specific in fact, and I think you get the gist and you can choose to keep being that specific for each week in the first month, or depending on the role, you might think, okay, that's only appropriate to really map out the first week. And then we can either map out the second week at the beginning of the second week, or if it's a more senior role, they might be able to start to be more of the leader as opposed to you being as specific with them as what you did in that first week. So, you know, one size doesn't fit all. It depends on the type of role. It depends on how specific you'll need to be about what they need to produce when, because it comes down to your high expectations, when you're dreaming big. You know, you might be like, well, by week two, I really want you to be coming to me with a suggestion of what you would be prioritizing that week, in which case that's what you write down and that's what you tell them. So you want to map out your expectations for at least the first month. And that might be just saying things like, after the first month, I would expect you to be working in a one month in advance cycle on content, looking at the analytics regularly, we'll always be meeting on a Monday, et cetera, et cetera. So you're still creating that picture, but without so much specificity. So the point that I really want you to hear there is how clear that was There's no guessing, there's no crossing of fingers, there's no waiting to see how they prove themselves to an unspoken criteria of success. Because when you're really clear on the specific return that you want from them, being the actions that they're taking and the things that are being produced in a certain way to a certain point, usually things that you can measure, when you get that clear, you can work backwards from that clarity and ask yourself, well, what is my role in setting them up with the ability to be successful, to produce the things? What training do they need? What systems do they need to have access to? What information do they need? What do they need to hear personally from me? What can they learn through a video or through somebody else? What can they absorb on their own? And this becomes the the basis and the stuff of a really great onboarding and training program. 
And I recommend, as I said, that you definitely map it out for the first month. You get really specific about that first week because we want to create a cadence of which we want them to work. So, you know, you don't want them at any time in the first, ideally the first month, but definitely not in the first week to be twiddling their thumbs and not knowing what to do because you want them to come in, hit the ground running and keep going at the speed of which they are going from day one. And you can imagine that if somebody comes in and they're, you know, it's a little bit slow and they're twiddling their thumbs, sometimes it's hard to ramp up. So part of this preparation and setting the bar high is actually supporting them to come in, hit the ground running by listing out, these are things I want you to learn. These are things I want you to do. These are this, this is the actions I want you to be taking. And in turn, you're empowering them to get on with their own success and show you that they're as keen for it as what they were in the interview. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this series, the four parts to the profitable onboarding, training, information, expectations, and conversations was the last one. And now obviously within each of these, we could talk a lot more about how you set up each part to be as powerful and profitable as possible, but I won't go into too much more detail about them other than to talk about the fourth one being conversations, because these are just so important. And they're a special type of conversation, and I call them correcting conversations. Now, when you onboard somebody in a structured and planned way, like we've been talking about, you're showing them that they are important and you're showing them that you are invested, invested in supporting them to succeed. You're doing your bit. And when you couple that with the right training, the right information, you know, those first two parts and that third, which was that clear expectation, the last piece of the puzzle to success is powerful conversations where you're transparent and you're upfront and you're brave and you're real about how they're progressing. Now, the reason I call these correcting conversations is that I want you to think of them as someone like heading down a road and they're generally heading in the right direction, but perhaps they're just veering off track a little bit every now and then. A little bit when I'm walking down the street with my three-year-old, most of the time he kind of walks in a straight line somewhere near the footpath, but every now and then he veers off. And if I'm not paying enough attention, he can end up in the middle of the road and I have to guide him back over to the footpath. So in the same kind of encouraging way that I invite my three-year-old back into the footpath, you get to guide your new person back on track because they aren't going to be perfect from the outset, from day one. And when you come to these conversations from this place of expecting the, you know, to need to clarify, to correct, to tweak, etc., and there to be little tangents that the person might go off on, which might be little miscommunications or incorrect assumptions, etc., and you just get to guide them back, then this doesn't feel like conflict. This doesn't feel like a big deal, and it doesn't need to be. And you get to refer to the really specific expectations that you've set and that you've previously talked about, and you can add to them or elaborate on them and amend them, clarify them, etc., so that you both have a reference point for their success. And this is what will get them up to speed ASAP. This is what's going to get you the fastest possible return on your investment and allow you to get on with your job, whatever the thing is that you need to focus on to bring in extra revenue, to grow the business, whatever it is that you need to be working on, knowing that you can trust them, knowing that they're on track, knowing that you've got a 
a structured path to check in with them and you've got these correcting conversations happening so that they're on track. So I hope that you can feel it all starting to come together in these three parts of this mini series in the Hiring Smarter series. So we've talked about getting really clear up front on who you're looking for so you can interview with confidence and interview for a match to who you truly know you need. And then from that place, I want you to imagine now having an effective interview where you're truly assessing them with open-ended questions, where you've assessed both the what you want them to do and how you want them to do it, and you've used the interview process to start to set expectations with the person about what you want from them in the job and what success looks like. So none of this onboarding stuff comes as a surprise. So then on day one, You've prepared for their arrival, you've mapped out their training, who needs to spend time with them, what information they need, etc. And it doesn't feel like a big panic the night before or the morning of. Maybe you've recorded some videos, you've got a bit of a plan, you know you're going to have at least half the day to yourself, you're going to spend a couple of hours with them, etc. So you're not freaking out about, you know, losing all this time. And you've given them a clear role description. So their expectations are clear, their roles clear, their responsibilities are clear. You've agreed check-in times so that you know when you're going to have the opportunity to have a conversation with them to bring up something that you notice maybe isn't perfect just yet. And you're going to have brave, clarifying, correcting conversations with them. So what happens is when it comes to paying their first invoice or adding them to the payroll and doing that first payroll with their additional wage in it, The money going out the door feels okay because you have a plan. You have a plan around what you expect from them, what return the business is going to get from them, by when, and you know if you're on track. And this is what powerful hiring can look like. Clarity on who you're looking for, strategy around how you're going to find them, what you're going to ask them in the interview, clarity around who your perfect person is, what you want them to do, how you want them to do it, and moving through that whole process to make a confident hiring decision and planning their onboarding so it maximizes the speed of which they can bring in that return back to your business. And all this comes together from that initial piece of clarity, from those high expectations of who and what you need from them. And it all flows from there. So if you're planning to hire in 2024 and you want to do it in the most profitable, planned and strategic way that maximizes your chance of the highest return on your spend, then I really hope that this three-part series has given you a sense that A, it's possible for you and B, you can do it well so that you can get it right. And if you want to learn this process in full and get all the exact steps and see the full process, which is my hiring mastery method, then I'm going to be teaching it in early 2024. So the program to learn the hiring mastery method, which I'm calling hiring mastery bootcamp, will kick off in early Feb. And it's going to teach you all the steps that you need to know to get the clarity that you need to interview with confidence how to work out what you're looking for and what to ask the person to check if they've actually got the right skills and experience and like to work in a certain way, right through to making them an offer, inviting them to work with you and setting up your onboarding plan so they get up to speed as fast as possible and start to add profit to your bottom line. So I'm going to be covering all of this in the Hiring Mastery Bootcamp. You'll get all the resources and it's literally going to be your one-stop shop 
your one-stop place to go to to hire your next person and then every single person after that. So, you know, think of learning videos, templates, examples and exact steps. And this hiring mastery method is currently only available to my private clients. And I'm really excited to be able to make this more accessible in 2024. So kicking off that program early February. And if that's of interest, then come on over and jump on the wait list so that you can get the details when it's released. And of course, special waitlist offers. You can jump on the waitlist by going to paulamaidens.com forward slash hiring hyphen waitlist or just sending us an email over at hello at paulamaidens.com, letting us know that you want to go on the waitlist and we can manually pop you on. Okay, so that's it. I truly hope this three-part series has really changed the way or enhanced the way you're thinking about hiring your next person. And I really hope that it's given you a boost to know that it's possible to hire someone great. There's some really practical steps and things that you can do to support yourself through what will be an emotional time. And, you know, there are ways to stay objective and make a really great business decision as opposed to an emotional one. So I hope you're feeling really like excited by that prospect, which I know is 100% available for you. So that's it for today. And this, in fact, is the last podcast for 2023. We'll be taking a break until the new year. And I wish you all a happy and safe festive season. And of course, I'm looking forward to being back here in 2024. Don't forget to put your name down on the waitlist over at paulamains.com forward slash hiring hyphen waitlist if you're interested in being part of the program in February and of course, getting your hands on those beautiful bonuses. Okay, that's it. All the best and I will see you on the other side. 